What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Clemson Tigers Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis presented by ourselves. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going well. I, I gotta say, though, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you. Disappointed in me. You used to, like, to come up with my middle name, you used to, like, you know, just really get creative with it. Now you pretty much just read my shirt. I do. That's been, that's been what I've been doing the last few weeks. Graham Bud Stack Waldrop Graham over Bud here. Stack Waldrop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like you're cheapening uh, the episodes for our, our users there. Hey, Graham. remember when you used to do fake ads and those were really funny? And you They stopped, were funny? Yeah, they were. And you haven't done it in like three, four years? Yeah, I don't remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I show Those were Graham. classic. You're, you're our host, okay? You are host. You're, you're, you know, we, we do this together. No, no, you're, you're the. I'm offended by this. You're the play. No, I, yeah, you're the play by play guy. You're the color man. I, I just come in and do some color commentary. Okay, so, right. like, it's your responsibility to do all the setup, all right. the prep, you know, get the studio I'm looking the Al nice. Michaels. Right. Yes. So, you know. Did you watch any of Sunday Night Football, by the way, this week? With oh, that was a terrible game, right? Ravens, Chargers. Oh, no. Yeah, I did watch some, but that wasn't a terrible game. It wasn't a terrible game, but. Uh, Jason Garrett sat in for uh, mm. Collinsworth, and he was just awful. His voice is terrible. Analysis wasn't great. Paled in comparison to Collinsworth. I think I've really. I think we've discussed this probably years ago on this exact same podcast that we're you know talking on right now. Where I hate the fact that a guy like Jason Garrett gets a job, super high profile job that like so many people in this country would do better at him than, but he gets it just because you know of his name. Sure. And what he did. And I understand there, there's the insider knowledge that is Yeah, he still useful. knows more about football than we ever will. Well, obviously he knows more about football, but do you watch football? And, like, do you actually want to learn more about football, or do you want to be entertained? Or do the people want to be entertained? I'd like I think both. that's the question. Like, I learn, I've learned a lot listening to Collinsworth over the last 12, 15 years. I learned a lot from John Madden when he was the guy with Al Michaels. Like, I, but they were, they're both very entertaining guys, too. Like, they're funny. Um, Chris Collinsworth told a hilarious joke on uh, Thursday Night Football, uh, the uh, Thanksgiving game with San Francisco and Seattle, where he was talking about, he's like, I tell you what, Mike, I was going down to the fish market and I saw this great looking tuna and it was $35 a pound. And I was like, or $35. I was like, oh, great. I'll take two. So I got two fish. It wound up being $800. He didn't like know that. You had to like buy the pound. Sure. So, sure. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, and John Madden would always talk about turkey and stuff and tough acting to neck. And he had a great energy. You know, he was hilarious. So, so that's an argument. But he could also break things down okay. and do it in an informative so you want way. Both. I want both. I want to be entertained. And I want to be educated. But uh, Jason Garrett did none of that for me on Sunday night. I'm sorry to hear that, Graham. Yeah. I've, and we were very invested. That was the Ravens. You know, Ravens were playing, so Alexa and I were watching it. And we were, and Alexa was just like, I did not like, she's like, I do not like this. Where is Collinsworth? Would you rather have Chip Carey? No. I think I'd take anybody. <laughs> anybody over Chip Carey. You put some real thought into that. I did. Answer. I had to think about that for a second. I was like, it was, it, either way, it's a torturous situation, but I think I'd, I'd rather have Jason Garrett, as sad as that is. Um, but the people don't want to hear about commentators adam they want to hear about atlanta sports who took a week off last week because uh, it was thanksgiving and i was out of town um but now we're back and we have a ton to talk about and big things have happened since we last talked we had some big braves trades um falcons are now in first place in the nfc south 
and the Hawks continue to be the most mediocre franchise in the city. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a competition between the Hawks and the Falcons in terms of who's more mediocre, but at least the Falcons are in first place. The Hawks just continue to be <laughs> 500 and well, probably going to be in a play-in game again. So are the Falcons. So Falcons aren't even 500. They're, they're 5 and yeah, 6. They're, 500, they're still yeah. winning the division. It was so funny looking. Hey, but they're our first place Falcons. Our okay. first place Falcons. It was so fucking funny looking at the uh, on the Sunday night football like where it, you know displays all the division leaders and stuff and it was like Eagles 10 and 1. Uh, whoever else is like eight and three, blah blah blah, you know, and then it gets down to, and then you see a wild card like Dallas is like eight and two or something, and then Falcons five and six, and it's like, you know, Forty Nine ers eight and three, and then it's like Falcons five and six, and it's just disgusting. I mean, people really sh- shouldn't be surprised, Graham. We've been talking about this all year, like coming into the year, like we knew, looking at the quarterbacks in the NFC South, that it was going to be mediocre. Like, you just need to be around 500. Right. But I think we also both said we could see the team, and I guess they still technically could do this, winning 9, 10 games. Uh, I think it's going to be a struggle to get there. Even Arthur Smith said that after the Saints win uh, last week, he's like, these next six weeks are going to feel like six lifetimes. I was like, Jesus, it just shows how taxing this has been with one of the easiest schedules in the history of the NFL, probably. This has just been a war of attrition for the Falcons. I mean, we should easily be, what, eight and three? Probably, yeah. It's absurd. But what matters is that we did come back after the bye week, and we took care of business against those disgusting Saints from New Orleans, and I believe you, my good friend, you were at the game. I was at you? the game, courtesy of uh, our good friend Andrew, who works at Merce- uh, works for at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Hooked us up with some fantastic tickets at the uh, section. I can't remember section one hundred nine, one ten. We were in, like wow. the corner of the end zone. It was it was dope. Okay, like, it, it was really good. Um, pays to have friends in high places. So. Uh, and I will say this. I've been to, I think, five football games at the stadium since it's open. I think I go like once a year. And this is easily the best environment that we've had so far to me as a patron of the stadium. Not for United's much better, but in terms of a football game, you know, people are in the seats. People are making noise. It wasn't like deafening. Like I've been to plenty of Georgia Dome games where it's been much louder. But I've also been to plenty of Georgia Dome games where it hasn't been as loud. It was an environment where people were engaged in the game. They got loud when they needed to get loud. I would have liked everybody to be loud, um, you know, outside of just on third down. Sometimes people are loud on first and second down, but um, people were engaged. Everybody got a dirty birds flag, white flag, and were waving it around, and uh, it was nice. It was it was nice, and I appreciate it. And I felt like it was going to be a good day when we got we got there around twelve o'clock, and uh, you know, I just saw a ton. Of Falcons fans, like there was a huge like we were walking over the overpass from the Vine City Marta Station. There's just overpass where there's like a Falcons marching band playing down the street, and there's just hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of Falcons fans coming from the parking lot, just going to the getting into the stadium at like twelve thirty. And I was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" People were like, for the most part, in their seats by kickoff. Well, how much did that have to do? Well, two two questions, follow up questions there, Graham. First of all. What percentage do you think was Falcons fans? Versus I didn't Saints see fans? there were a de- there were some Saints fans there, but you know you've been to mm-hmm. we've all been to plenty of games in this town where the opposing team takes over the stadium. That was not the case at all. Okay, that's awesome. To hear. There was one little corner where um, there was like no there was like maybe three or four Saints fans where we were, and then there's one little corner across the stadium uh, near the uh, opposite end zone where there was like a pocket. There was like a big section of Saints fans, but 
it wasn't that much. Like it, it was, it was overwhelmingly Falcons to me, from what I could tell. Like even when the Saints did well, I was like, this isn't. I've heard worse. Like remember, like the Eagles game when Mike Vick came back and it was just like everybody was cheering for Mike Vick. Or I know we've been to some games where like the Saint, we've been to Saints games where Saints fans take over the stadium. This, this was not the case on Sunday, which was nice. Well, I think this week it probably helped a ton that they did that. Um... Was it like history of fifty years of hip hop? Fifty years of hip hop, which was a cool idea, but executed very poorly uh, in some spots. Especially like you know, you had Ti and supposedly you know supposed to introduce the team. You know, when they're coming out of the 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 uh, the tunnel and it's supposed to be take him out, take him out, and he was just walking up, saying all these lyrics, but you couldn't hear him at all, and it was just embarrassing. Same thing happened. Like TLC came out during a, a commercial break. And they got to sing for maybe 15 seconds. <laughs> it was like there was a lot of technical problems. But then they fixed it. And Bone Crusher was awesome. He was playing, uh, I never scared. I never scared. He did like oh, like he did like two and a half minutes of the song during a commercial break. It was awesome. Everybody was getting crunk and waving, wow. the, waving the flags around. And everybody was getting hyped at that shit. Ludacris repelled down, which I know everybody saw. Uh, repelled down and was singing uh, Move Bitch, which was really cool. <laughs> I, I, I missed that, unfortunately. I, I could hear it, but I was trying to get a drink. Sure. And uh, unfortunately, I picked the wrong time to go get a drink at that point. Sounds but, like you picked a great game to go to. It was for, a fun... For multiple reasons. Yeah, I mean, it was a terrible game. I mean, both teams suck ass. But it was entertaining. And there's there some entertaining moments in the game, too. It is wild to watch, like, other games, like, watching that, like, Eagles-Bills game. Where it's, like, competent football teams. And just be like, oh, man, like, we cannot hang with a good football team no, i don't get, think although we tend to like bring people down to our level well not really like you think about the two times we played good teams the lions and the jaguars and they dominated us both of them dominated us but both of them won by double digits yeah that was early i think we're better than we were then maybe but we just won one game i <laughs> so it, it's a we, so we haven't won in over a month we did for those out of the loop we did beat the saints 24 15 and have claimed uh Sole ownership of first place in the NFC South, and we own the tiebreaker against the Saints. Hugo, the, Hugo, thanks you for saying that. By the way, he's probably been sitting here for the last ten just minutes. Like, what the hell is no, going on? Did the Falcons on? win? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Falcons won, but it was it was tough getting there, and it was a weird game. The Saints amassed over four hundred yards of offense, but kicked five field goals. Um, it was definitely a bend but don't break defense, and. I wasn't too impressed by anybody outside of Jesse Bates, who continues to just make impact play after impact play and keep the ball in front of him. Had a huge pick six when things were not looking great, where the Saints were really driving down the field. Also had a critical punch-out fumble of that son-of-a-bitch Taysom Hill, who just felt like he ran all over us. He only had 26 yards on the ground, but... He he was he was making plays out there. He also had a big catch. It was uh, he, he it was just annoying, and I feel like this is going to be the Taysom Hill game. You know, Ritter threw a horrible interception in the second half, and then Jesse Bates comes in and punches the ball out of Taysom Hill's hands, and he's the MVP of the damn game to me. Like without Jesse Bates, I know the run game was excellent, the offensive line and and the run game was excellent, but uh, Jesse Bates scores seven points and forces a turnover at a critical juncture. He He's worth every fucking penny to me. I was so happy to see, because, like, I also have that feeling about Taysom Hill where, like, I was like, have we ever, like, not given up at least six yards to this guy? And no, early it was like on, every, that's what it was looking. But they made some adjustments on they him. They did in the and, second like, he half. he really didn't do much. Yeah, like, like at, him fumbling against us is crazy. No, that, that never should never happens. happen. He yeah. should he should dominate us, you so know? So th- that, that was awesome to see. But, yeah, Bates is just a monster, man. Like, anytime like... 
we were about to go down what ten nothing in that game, and he completely yeah. flipped the script there. Yeah, um, huge, huge yeah, no, play. He, like absolutely, like you know, I know we've kind of like shit on Fontenot a little bit for his drafting, but you know, free agency, free agency, he, he's great. He's been fantastic. Well, the thing that I love about Fontenot's free agency is like he can get the high profile. Everybody knows Jesse Bates is good, but he I mean, he got him, which is you know hats off. But he also finds guys like again Landman. Lamon made a bunch of big tackles in this game. He's the undrafted free agent. It's not just the high-profile guys. He can find guys all over the place yeah. in free agency. Like he really is great at evaluating established talent in the league. So, yeah, maybe struck out some with some of these receivers we've brought in, but for the most part, you know, yeah, like Matt Hany, Collins Hany has been great. Yeah, Matt Collins did nothing. Who's the guy? We another guy we got well, from the Matt Collins was out. I know he was out. I'm just saying he hasn't really done much oh, this sure, year. Sure. I know he's also been banged up, yeah. but. Um, there's another guy we got last year that we thought was going to he was supposed to be our number 2 receiver. I can't remember his name. But, you know, we have a hard time finding a number 2. Yeah. It, could be Kyle Pitts. But could we, be, we but you know, Kyle him. Pitts is constantly Let's just, just trade him. Like I feel so bad for him. He, he's constantly 2 for 20 20 yards, 3 for 35. It's always like one amazing catch. He had a couple of couple of catches 2 for 22 this <laughs> yeah. week. Um but you know, this was mostly this game was offensively won by the running game, which I really appreciated the way Arthur Smith constructed his game plan overall, even though that fourth down call, we'll talk about that in a minute, was stupid in the first quarter. But um, really leaned on the running game. 40, 41 running attempts for 228 yards. Bijan 16 for 91. Algier 10 for 64. Corderell Patterson 8 for 43. And I really and everybody averaged over 5.5 yards carry. So... Um, I really appreciated the way he constructed. It was like Bijan was kind of the starting pitcher. Corderell was sort of your middle relief. And then Algier was your closer. But he still kept using them all in the second, you know, in the fourth quarter. But it was clear, like, Algier was going to punish you. This was something that I feel like it was like a Sean Payton move almost, where Sean Payton would always get, like, you know, guys like Kamara and then... I think it was Mark Ingram. Or, or sorry, like Mark Ingram, and then he'd bring in Reggie Bush, and then he would just like find ways to beat you with different kinds of running styles. And this is exactly what Arthur Smith did. He needs to lean into this for the rest of the season. This is the way. And I really appreciated Patterson getting runs because he showed that he has plenty left in the tank. And now we're in the back half of the season. Hasn't been utilized that much. He was there running over people, making good plays. Um, I really like the way the run the running game was constructed. He's such a good combo of Bijan and Algier because yes. he's got that power yes. and like more speed mm-hmm. than Algier as well. Um, but all, all these guys are like, you know, as you have to be in an offense so reliant on running the football, like they're pretty good with ball control as well. Yeah, so like and Algier just coming in at the end, like you could see, like I know there were argue, arguments a few weeks ago that's like, oh, we're using. Algier way too much, but it's like, dude, just look at this guy run the ball at the end of the game and that defense is worn down. Yeah, that, that's the way to use him. And that that was something that was like he got the majority of his carries in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like if you look at the, the carry breakdown, it's 16 for Bijan, 10 for Algier, 8 for Corderell. And only 21 pass attempts uh, for Desmond versus 41 rushing attempts. So it's like this is the way the offense has to be. I think it's clear that Desmond Ritter is not the guy. Um, that you want at quarterback. I'm sorry to say. But again, it's just like another red zone interception. You can also say that you can kind of blame that on Bijan because he didn't look like he went for the ball. But it was like that area of the of the, um, of the the field was just really jammed with Saints. And it was like, again, in the red zone, turnover, ridiculous. But then he also made that brilliant throw to Bijan. 
and uh, for the touchdown. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and that was more of an improvisational play. But I remember, you know, when I was there, I saw Bijan. I pointed. I was like. Like this, and I saw Ritter throw it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was like, "Perfect pass." Yeah, you know, um, and especially just witnessing that moment in person, that was it, it's so weird because it's like, and then Ritter had a great pass to London in the first half too, that like diving catch that was like a, it was like threading a needle. It's like he can move the ball. It's just he, like he has struggles. He's, he struggles to finish drives, and that's still just a, a huge problem. Maybe he figures it out. Maybe he doesn't. But I still like, I still can't get behind him as my quarterback. For the long term, but he he's got to be our guy for the rest of the year, and we just have to sort of accept that at this point. Like he's a better option than than Heineke, I think. And I think it was you can argue it was maybe foolish to make that move or maybe not, but I think it was good for Desmond to take a break. Um, I don't know if he should have taken a break for the Cardinals game, but I think at, and during that Tennessee game where he lost the fumble and it was clearly his fault to be benched at that point was acceptable because it was like he had to, you know, we had to let him know you can't do this. These are unacceptable turnovers. And since then, I don't think he's fumbled the ball, but unfortunately the interceptions are still happening. Like a first pick, like I said, you could go back and forth on, was it Bijan's fault? Was it Desmond's fault? Was it both their faults? Was it the play call? I don't know. I mean, part of me was wondering why Bijan kind of, it looked like he kind of gave up on the ball. That second pass was awful. Gosh, just the same shit, different day. Did you not think Van Jefferson could have done a little more to try to get that ball? Yeah, I'm not saying he couldn't, but it was still an underthrown ball. And speaking of... And speaking of Van Jefferson, he yeah, sucks ass. Yeah. Why is he on the team I was gonna at say, this speaking point? Speaking of receivers that haven't worked out, like, yeah, he's he's been terrible. Fondo's not good at, at, at free agency or trades with receivers. Give those catches to Pitts or, hell, Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith. was was absent from this game. I saw him come on the field. It was really funny. I was sitting with a bunch of people, and we were... Uh, we're all a bunch of degenerate gamblers, I guess. These people behind us. Um, and this one guy had Kyle Pitts over, I think, 38 receiving yards. And he's like, throw it to Kyle Pitts. Throw it to him. God damn, he's not even on the field. So just couldn't really couldn't find anything with, with Kyle. Drake was there. You know, I think Drake had five for 90. But other than that, like, it was pretty they an must absent, just not absent the, day from the uh, receiving core. They must just not have the same connection. Like, I mean... Literally, Drake, Drake London, Drake, Drake and like Desmond, you know, they're like roommates. Like they, he's definitely there's obviously a different connection. He's definitely his where, favorite target. They can like improvise more together. Yeah, and and Arthur Smith has also said that Kyle Pitts is still figuring some things out physically. He kind of mentioned that. He, well, he didn't say physically, but he said he's still figuring some things out, which makes me think it's there's still some physical issues from his uh, knee surgery he had last year. Yeah, I mean. Two for it, twenty-two it is, what it is at this point. Yeah, and it's it's a really disappointing again, very disappointing draft pick. And uh, regardless of how it turned out, it was always the wrong move. Why are you doing drafting a tight end when you have your your entire team needs an upgrade, and that's just not where you win. You draft a tight end like that in the first round when you're ready to win a Super Bowl. But whatever. Back to Desmond, though. Yeah, back like, to Desmond. I'm still. What do you like, think of these turn? Like, yeah, still talk like, about him. Yeah, the turnovers suck. But, like, there's still, like, 10% of me that's, like, you know, he's a young player. He appears to be, like, you know, have some sort of gene for figuring out a way to win a ball game. He's you not know, Mac Jones. 95-yard drive there at the end. Like A lot of that was the, the, the run game, though. But, you know, you got to give him some credit. He's done that before. Like, we're, yeah. we've, like, against the Bucks, we had a huge drive at the end of the game. Right. 
Like, there's something there. There's something there. He's not a total incompetent. He's not Mac Jones. He's not Bailey Zappi. He's not Tim Boyle. He looked know. better than Derek Carr, man. Well, what was Derek inter- Carr lost a lot of weapons in this game. Derek Carr lost a lot. Chris Olave was killing us. He had 113 yards in the third quarter before he got concussed. I almost want to say if – and uh, the other guy went out too. I can't remember his name. Uh, Rashi, what's his name? Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, Rashid Shahid is also a really good receiver. He went out. Um, but, yeah, like a lot of it was killing us. 114 yards and nine targets. And this is the third quarter when he got concussed. Um, Kamara had four for 50. Taysom Hill was second on the team in receiving yards, 55 yards on two catches. So it's like – it was there. Like I said, New Orleans had over 400 yards of offense, and Carr himself threw for 300 yards. But there were tons of times when we were able to get pressure on him where he just looked like a lost puppy in the woods and didn't know what to do. Um, as our friend Ricky from Trailer Park Boys would say, and I, I just came up with this the other night, a deer in a headlight as opposed to like a deer in headlights, a deer in a headlight. You know, like he would always have those malapropisms. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's how Derek Carr looked at times during this game. And uh, he's not very good. I, I think if Jameis Winston plays in this game, we could be talking about a different result. Oh, he would at least scored a touchdown. Jameis crushes us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he would have thrown four interceptions, but... You he know, probably would have thrown three touchdowns, too. At so. least the two interceptions this week from Desmond didn't like completely kill us the the one at the end of the halftime though that that one broke my heart like, yeah that was that was rough that was just like we can't we can't we can't keep, keep doing, doing this yeah it's it's brutal just, but just, I, just so many mental errors still with this team it's like talk about the fourth down oh my god in the first quarter because you saw something i didn't because where i was sitting my back was to the falcons so it was hard to like you know, you got so much going on, it's kind of hard to take in the the play from when you're in the game sometimes. Like, I wasn't sitting there. Like, you know, normally I'm like, I'm watching the trenches. I'm watching the trenches. I was like, I was just watching where the ball was going. Well, yeah, I mean, they, like they were talking about it on the broadcast and yeah. showed the replay where, you know, we took fourth and two where we, we take a lineman and we're just doing cutesy stuff again. And, like, we take a lineman from the right side of the line, move him to the left. So, like, I think one defender moved over with him, but now like a D tackle is just sitting Free. there yeah. completely unblocked. Right. And then run and, to that and side. And then you run option to the right and Desmond decides to keep the ball, which I think if he pitches it to Bijan, there's maybe a better chance that play actually works mm-hmm. and we're not like complaining, but like it's just this cutesy crap when yeah. it, it just felt like and at that point in the game, it felt like we were scared and just yeah. like concerned about the three losses in a row. And here right. we go again. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like you know, I, I think the there was a I think Bijan and Algier were both in at that time, and like you could just see the I, gap up the middle where if, yeah. if you had just handed it to Alexa, Algier. Alexa didn't mention that when we were watching it. She was like, "Whoever the back was on the option play would have had a first down easy. Like he busted through there, no problem." Yeah. Um. So that was frustrating. To me, it looked like, from what I could tell, Desmond took too long to make that read. But also, the guy in motion really hurts. I didn't notice that. Yeah, the guy was just completely in, unblocked. He's like, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, like you or I could have made that tackle. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is frustrating. So it's like, at least that was the only bullshit thing Arthur Smith did. There was no bad challenge. Clock management was fine. He utilized the running game really well. Um, Bijan looks, looks fantastic. I hope the rest of the year you lean on him as your lead back, which it looks like Arthur has finally figured out from the Arizona game to this game. 
this is your guy. Don't fuck around. Don't overthink it. So, well, and the offensive line was just like mean this game, and like the blocking oh, they was were a great. lot better. You Lindstrom know, looked fantastic. You know what? Who else was out there though? The like all the the Falcons nerds on Twitter were squawking about McGarry this, this week. Gary looked good too. Uh, Parker Hesse was in. Oh, there. was he in there? Yeah, he okay. was out there, and like he's just such an underrated, just like great blocking tight That's end. Your boy. Where it's like if we're gonna run three different running back sets. You gotta have like have Michael Pruitt out there, have Parker Hesse, just like you need all the blocking yeah. you can get. Kyle Pitts lead blocker, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, draft draft the guy fourth overall. He's the lead blocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, the running game looked fantastic. Like Lins- I saw a clip on Twitter or X, where the hell it's called now, today, where it was like Lindstrom just like mauled, like pancake two guys on a on a uh, on a running play, like. On the same play, which is very hard to do. So uh, Arthur Smith mentioned that they went full pads, uh, you know, during practice that week. And everybody was feeling just kind of like, this is it. If you do not perform, we are fucked. Like, get like put up or shut up. Let's go. And like everybody just had this like sense of desperation to them, which they need to carry the rest of the season. Yeah, where it's like every that. single thing you do is magnified at this point. You cannot mess around. You cannot take a playoff. You have to be mentally locked in. I did not see Lindstrom have any bad penalties. You know, there was no like I didn't notice. Maybe we had a false start or something. But remember, like Lindstrom had like he's had multiple games where he's had multiple false starts, even on consecutive, like, even during a single drive. Yeah. Which has just been so frustrating, but the offensive line was in it. McGarry looked good, from what I could tell. Um, which I know we've been very critical of him this year, and a lot of other people have too. So this is the way, man, because now we're playing the Jets, and the Jets are for all the praise they get defensively, they are the second worst run defense in the National Football League. So this plays to our strength in terms of yard, uh, yards given up. So this plays to our strength. Just run the ball. They might stack the box, but wear them down. Use that three-back situation and wear these guys down, man. Even though you're going on the road, it's going to be shitty weather conditions. Desmond Ritter needs to throw the ball maybe like 12 times this game, like 12 pass attempts. Run the ball, Bijan. Run the ball with Algier. Run the ball with Corderell. If you pass the ball, do little screen passes little things to Drake London and then get out of there with a three or four point victory like that that's the rest I think Arthur Smith has found the recipe for success and I laud him even though I'm very critical of him I laud him for getting every back in the game like I love like I know we talked about Ray but I just I love the way the, the the running game was constructed this week the plan was fantastic well they made a few changes like personnel wise I mean it wasn't just utilizing I mean utilizing Corderell more that was useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Ragone, the offensive coordinator, he was up in the booth. He was up in the box, yeah. Uh, which, I heard about that. You know, keep doing that. Yeah. That's fine. We don't need two offensive minds like get with the same uh, vantage point on the field. Right. And then uh, also the rookie safety from Alabama, DeMarco Hellums. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played like 38 snaps, which, and he had like seven or eight tackles. And it's like, it goes to show draft people from big sec schools that have played in big games before you know it's the best conference like, of the best players like this guy's very simple sixth, seventh round pick and yeah. like he's ready to play like he's played in these Fantastic. moments before yeah yeah i remember this guy we drafted he's a rookie right this we yeah, drafted six, him this year? Round pick. Yeah, yeah 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 and that's great um one thing i thought that was funny that i noticed when i was at the game 
uh, after the big catch Taysom Hill had, whenever he lined up at wide receiver, Jesse, <laughs> I mean, uh, AJ Terrell was on him. Like he would like line up with him, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, we're, <laughs> we're not getting burned by this guy anymore. No. no. Um, I don't know. It's it's still like you, you see a lot of issues with this team still. You know, like I mentioned, still getting up a ton of yards on the ground. Oh, we're not good. Still have a very whatever quarterback. But the one thing we can do is run the ball. Just continue to do that, and the chips will fall that's, where they may. I mean, that's what that's we got to be a bend, but don't break defense. We got to run the ball, and yeah. Desmond has to continue to make plays and cut down on the on the turnovers. Yeah, like exactly. I'm excited to see. You know, if we come out and lose to the Jets, that's going to be horribly. You can't lose to Tim Boyle. You cannot lose to Tim Boyle. Yeah, they're their third string quarterback at this point. Um, they bench Zach that Wilson. Would suck. Yeah, that would suck. And and the Jets look lost uh, to me. I mean, they I didn't watch that Friday game, Black Friday game against the Dolphins, but all intents and purposes, from what I heard, it's like the defense seems seemingly is starting to quit because they're like, look who we got at quarterback. You know, it's um, it must be frustrating for them. They're such a good passing. Why defense. the hell did they not go out and get a quarterback? It doesn't make sense. Um, you had guys. You had Flacco. Hell, you could have said Matt Ryan. You could probably give us something. Matt Ryan could give you something better. Reach out to us about Heineke. You know. Yeah, like like trade for Heineke. Like there's a number of options out there. They could have traded for Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Even I know he had the worst game of his life against the the Bears on Monday Night Football this week. He threw four picks, but before that, he was you know. America's darling. Yeah, it's, it's like Aaron Rodgers kind of has just held them hostage where he's like, he's, oh, I'm going to be the first guy ever to come back from this Achilles. So they like didn't like go out and get someone. Well, I don't think he would have cared if they got someone now. I mean, I think, you know, he's still trying to come back. He actually is pra- practicing this week. He's not going to play. It's confirmed. He's that not going to play. That would be the ultimate true to Atlanta bullshit. Well, you want to talk about a game getting flexed from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m.? Like, (laughs) You think they would put it on Sunday night? Aaron Rodgers coming back against the shitty Falcons? It is crazy how many, like, primetime games the Jets have had because of Aaron Rodgers. And they play all the time. It's like, God, I gotta watch this. They gotta flex these people out, man. I know. It's like, I gotta watch these guys again. The same thing with the Raiders. The Raiders got all these primetime games. I'm like, why are the Raiders getting all these primetime games? Is because the Super Bowl's in Vegas? Yeah, who cares about Vegas? Nobody. They don't have anybody. They have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, and they aren't enough to make me want to watch a game. Like, nationally, do people care about the Raiders? I understand they, they're they, a big name. On the West West Coast, I would say there are a lot of people that care about the Raiders, but they don't have... other. Like I said, Devontae Adams is like your biggest star, and you got no quarterback. So I don't want to watch Aiden O'Connell on at 8.20 on Monday night, or Sunday night. Or Monday night. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's too much. But yeah, but um, we'll we'll stick with our one p.m. Sunday yeah, one p.m. Slot. four p.m. slot. Um, but l- let's talk about this Jets game a little bit more. Like I said, second worst run defense in the NFL. This is the way. This is how you win the game. It's very simple. Do that. Don't pass the ball too much. And then on the other side, you got Garrett Wilson at receiver, who's very solid. You got uh, Brees Hall, who's going to get a lot of. A lot of work in this game, I think. And, you know, it's something to look at with uh, this Falcons team, to me, uh, this week. You know, we gave up 148 yards on the ground. Uh, 69 of those yards went to Kamara, uh, who averaged about four and a a half yards per carry. This is the way the Jets can potentially beat you. They're going to beat you with Boyle, I don't think. Could be a gunslinger. What do you know about Tim Boyle? he, He looked horrible against the Dolphins. I don't know anything else about him, but... 
there's part of me that's very scared of this game because our defense doesn't, even though we only gave up 15 points, we, like I said, it was like 440 total yards of offense. Not We're not great at covering number one receivers. We seem to be doing this zone bullshit still when we should be more in man. And Garrett Wilson's no joke, and Brees Hall is no joke. They're both, you know, those are your guys you got to worry about on the Jets in terms of uh, passing the ball and running the ball, respectively, in terms of who's getting those touches. So I wonder how we're going to game plan for this game. And this is going to be a low-scoring, very scary fight, but I just, I just really, I really worry about our ability to stop Tim Boyle, as weird as that sounds. I think we just need to play a clean game. We like, just need to play a clean game, a but clean it's like game. we're we're giving up too many yards. We're giving up too many yards. Like I said, Olave in the third quarter, 114 yards. I'm not saying he's he's as good as uh, I think he's better than Garrett Wilson, but it's still that's a scary precedent to set but outside the uh, you know, coming Carver, off the bye. Derek Carr versus Tim Boyle, right? Here. Derek Carr's a lot better. But we should take care. of We business. should take care of business. There's no reason. I think I'm overthinking it right now, but it's still one of those things where it's like I'm. Ex- I'm excited as a fan for the first time in a while. You can't get too excited. Well, like, no, I'm excited because, you know, I went to the game. I felt the energy. I felt connected to the team. You felt the city, didn't I you? I felt the city. And I have two two great stories real quick about going to the game. But, I, yeah, I felt the city, and I feel like I still am of the mind that if we make the playoffs by winning the division, the thing that's the only way we can do it, we're going to get dis- – I think right now we line up to play the Dallas they're going to absolutely destroy us. It's fine. Like we are at That's the, fine. we're at the stage. We're like the 2018 Braves right now. Right. Where we just want to get we to the show. We just want to get there. Like I want get some experience. I want to fill that stadium in. Like I want to have that like playoff week of like excitement it's a, yeah, and it's like a, it's you know, important here squad. Well, maybe it could happen if this goes this way, this go, you know. Yeah, right. Ritter's looked a lot better. He only had one pick over the last 3 weeks. If only we had Micah Parsons and listened to Graham and drafted him instead of Kyle Pitts, maybe we'd be in a better position. Truth, Graham. Yeah, I, I texted you that this you week. Did. Like <laughs> that was the best take I've ever had. Yeah, no. Yeah, Micah Parsons, Graham has never been more right about anything. It takes a lot for me to, you know, admit that. Yeah, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I called Micah Parsons before the draft and said, "This is the guy we should well, take." Well, in fairness, you called him Mika Parsons. I did. I didn't know for his a name, long time. but I watched I watched his his game film and I was like, "This guy's got unbelievable speed." Yeah, we, you, we'd could, probably, you could build a team around this we guy. We would have been a playoff team, yeah. damn, like last year, probably. We could have been a playoff team with Matt Ryan in, but, in 2020. But we're not living in the past, Graham. Yeah, I guess. This is what this is where we are now. You felt that energy. That's good, Graham. It was great. It was fantastic. I loved it. And um, and the people sitting around me were great. Uh, one of the guys also said, you know, after Desmond Ritter threw that red zone interception, he's like, man, I trust the government more than I trust the Falcons. Mm. which was hilarious everybody cracked up at that one <laughs> yeah we had like these four guys sitting behind us who were great we had these two ladies sitting next to us who were fantastic had a drunk ass uh, saints woman at the bar who took way too long one of those big bars you know in mercedes-benz and i was like i just want a screwdriver she was just jawing at the uh at the bartender and he was and he was like he's like i see you back there i'm sorry we're gonna get her out of here and you know that was that was pretty funny and then the best part though was going on marta to the game we stopped at king memorial or the the train stopped at king memorial and uh, it was pretty quiet like there's a lot of falcons fans there and there are a couple saints fans in the train and this guy says Ay! and everyone's like oh jesus what the hell is this guy gonna say and he here says, we go yeah <laughs> he goes all you saints fans this is where you get off <laughs> This is the fastest way to the stadium. This is where you go. And everyone went, 
<laughs> that's good yeah that was uh that was really funny it's always fun going to the falcons game like the the going downtown for a falcons game reminds me of going to braves games where you had all the stands uh you know where people sell merchandise people selling peanut you know whatever you know it's just like all these street vendors there was a guy selling uh five little mini bottles of liquor for yeah. Ten bucks. Those guys are great. Those are great. I didn't have any cash, so otherwise I would have gotten all the fucking. I bought some Bud Lights for those guys. Yeah, in the past. those guys are fantastic. And I, you know, you miss that. You miss that as a as an old school Atlanta sports fan, which I guess we can consider ourselves old school in our thirties now. Yeah, but uh, that it was just it was really fun going in the game. Alexa and I had a great time, and uh, I think if you are able to go down to the stadium this year, do it. Um, because the environment's a lot better. Like I remember going to the, the the game against the Patriots. I don't know if it was last year or the year before Thursday night game, and I was like, "This is just awful." Like we are terrible. They're a lot better than us. I think it was the year, the last year, the Patriots went to the playoffs, and it was we lost like twenty four to six or something, and no one gave a shit. Yeah, like it was it was pathetic. But this time it was like everybody cared. Everybody was engaged. Everybody's a little trepidatious. But overall, good Atlanta sports uh, environment and experience. I'm happy they won for your sake, like because watching at home, like you kind of get in that same routine over and over again, and it's just like it's like oh here we here go we go again. again. Yeah, especially like, especially that that um, that second interception. That's when I that's when I got up to get that drink. I was like I can't. I gotta take a second to just scream and go nuts. Here's something I got in the for concourse. You, Graham. Yeah. Um, your boy Arthur Smith, I think he's made some progress too. After the Desmond Ritter interception mm-hmm. in the red zone, yeah, did he talked to him. He did not react. Like, oh, that's great. They, they showed his face on the sidelines, yeah. and it was, you know, his eyes like eyebrows went up a little bit. But he didn't put his hands over his head and go. Arr! No, it was more of just a. Mm, okay, that, that's let's, not good. let's move on. Right. Okay, on that's to, great. That's progress. So, I, but I'm, I'm telling you, I, that that one destroyed me. I was like. I was just very sad for quite some time. Yeah. I was like, here we go. I just like, you know, a week off. You got like two weeks to think about your team, where you're at. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just a shitty team. So I was yeah. so I was so happy we came back and, you know, a lot of hope right now. Yeah. Just win the division. That's all you got to do. Panthers so, fired their head coach. Panthers I'll, fired Frank Reich. Poor I don't, bastard. I don't think we have to worry about the Panthers anymore. Uh, the Tampa Bay's four and seven. They've I think they're. Two and six, or they're two and seven since going two and zero. I mean, so they're terrible. The beauty is we're three and zero in the NFC South right now. Yes, which, which is big. If and, this is tight tiebreakers left and right, and we got to play keep these other care of business. Yeah, and we got to play these other guys: uh, the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, three more times. And what Tampa Bay is, Tampa, Tampa Bay's Bay is here, coming here, and then the other two the are Panthers on the road, are, and the Saints are on the road. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but um. You know, you got to keep your expectations in check. This is a first-round exit at best. It's a disappointing finish at worst. Um, but a, the thing that's frustrating is there's a lot of talent. Like, I mean, when uh, Ebikete got that sack against Carr, I saw something there. That was like a John Abraham type of play where, you know, we're in the second half. We really need to stop. Who's going to make a big play? Who's going to stop the quarterback? Ebiketti did that. I'm seeing some progression from him. I'm not going to sit here and anoint him to be like, oh, my God, this is the guy who's going to lead a defensive line for the next 10 years. But I've seen strides from Ebiketti where, like, you know, 
I can't remember if this is his second or third year, but... Uh, I think it's year three at this point. Yeah, so those first couple of years, it felt like you wouldn't really hear his name that, that often. Or he, he would get close to the quarterback, but yeah, not but you wouldn't down. hear Yeah, but he wouldn't make the play. Yeah. Now he's starting to make the play. So you're starting to see some progression from him, which is great. I really hope he can develop into something special. And, um, yeah, I think that's this is where the Falcons are. You hope, like, how Abiketi is right now is how the Falcons are as well as a team. You hope they can develop into something special. Development year. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's good to have you uh, feeling feeling positive about the Falcons right now. I, you know, it, it's like life's too short to be so fucking negative all the time. Like, I can be critical, but, like, when we win a game, even though it's ugly as fuck, hey, man. That's you what you're I went to the if, game. If you, if, you can't enjoy. Enjoy, if you can't enjoy that, what are you even doing? Right, like, why torture yourself? Yeah. Like, you got to be able to find some enjoyment in it. Like, that B. John Robinson catch, I live for moments like that. That that touchdown catch, Dude, that, that I was, live for that. That was, that was beautiful. That was slick, man. Like, beautiful. Yeah, that that was that was what you want to see, and like you you can't, we can't like Bijan overall. Like the guy's a stud. He is an absolute. There's no doubt stud. About it. He, he is he is a potentially generational player. When he move, he's like a he's like a ballerina out there. I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I mean that in an absolute positive way. Like his agility, east to west, north to south. It's tremendous. And that was the he's going to break one at some point, and it's going to, like, everybody's going to lose their shit when he does it. Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing we didn't really talk about where, like, it's almost as if Arthur Smith, I don't know if this is good or bad, like, he literally does listen to his criticism. Uh, like, he was the running back in the red zone every time, Bijan. Yes. And he, the, the one rushing touchdown we got in the red zone, it was like, thank Bichon. you. That's yeah. all you got to do, man. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he's, Arthur's starting to learn some things. Um, if you can just cut out the cutesy bullshit, then. We'll be okay. Do you hear that, Arthur? You hear that? Where's your mo- you Stop know. doing that. Yeah, just, just, just. There's no reason to be cute with this team. Like how you did things, ninety-eight percent of the time in this game. Just keep doing that. Forget about your sending a guy in motion away from where you're going to run the ball. Like just forget about that stuff. Forget about Janu to Michael Pruitt trick plays. Forget about all that. Give the ball to Bijan. Let things happen. That's your Falcons report. We're going to talk some Braves and some Hawks after this, but we'll take a brief hiatus to recalibrate ourselves and maybe get... Adam needs another beer, don't you, Bo? Yeah. That's right, Greg. All right. Very observant. Very observant. We're listening to each other. Let's talk some Braves. What do you got? High Life? Yep. Very good. I'm trying out Redwood Empire, this whiskey. Uh, Pipe Dream. Very good. Thoroughly enjoy it. Where's it from, Graham? What year? Empire Package Store. Oh, okay. Um, but in terms of like, <laughs> I don't think there's a, I think whiskey isn't like wine where you, I mean, you do age whiskey, but uh, let's see. It's not a bourbon. Bourbon ages, right? Yes. Whiskey ages. No, this is uh, aged at least four years, so it could have been longer. Uh, aging our barrels in the temperature, or t- excuse me, temperate climate of the northern California coast allows for a slow and even extraction of flavor, producing a whiskey of exception, exceptional balance and complexity. I've drank, I've drank too much of this to be able to read big words like that. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk Braves. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so right after we did our last show, Kyle Wright was traded. 
for Kowar, Jackson Kowar. He was traded to the Royals. Yeah, who saw that coming? Um, again, AA. Definitely doing, not Kyle Wright. Doing weird things. So effectively, the Royals get two years of Kyle Wright. Healthy, hopefully healthy years for him. But it's really crazy to think about. Kyle Wright was the linchpin of the rotation, not in the 2023 season, but the 2022 season. Obviously had all the shoulder issues and all the bullshit going on. And the Braves decided to move on from him after that, as opposed to waiting on his rehabilitation. If you look at the numbers, the raw uh, numbers for Kovar, it's not good. You can read them off if you want to, Graham. I don't know what they are. Oh, okay. Well, he was like a first-round pick. He was a first-round pick. A, a few years ago that just hasn't panned out so far. No, and he's pitched at the major league level, and he sucks ass, apparently. So right. he's given up 75 runs and 74 innings. That ain't good. Yeah, he hasn't been good. Um, but... I, I don't know what to think about this deal, man. Like, I assume that there's something about his elbow that they – no, his shoulder, right? Shoulder, yeah. That they really very concerned don't about. like. Yeah. And they are just done. We were we were joking on the Atlanta sports thread that Anthopolis has just been on, like – he's, like, in the Bahamas right now. Bahama Bender. Yeah. Alex, Anth- <laughs> Alex Anthopolis is Bahama and Bender. And he's just, like – National Lampoon presents. Anybody who is, like, a big name – that is not going to pitch this year or has, has been injured, we're moving. Soroka, on. Kyle Wright. Yeah. Like, I'm all for Soroka. Like, we talked about this on the last show. I'm all for Soroka being moved. Like, I was done with I didn't think we should have brought him back this year um, for the 2023 season. But Kyle Wright, he was, like, uh, one of the best starters in baseball in 2022. This this seems silly to me. Yeah. They must have really not liked what they were seeing in the MRIs and the, you know, from a physical standpoint because, damn, the guy's still pretty young. The guy was instrumental in helping you win one of the world's, you know, one of the world series coming in relief in the 2021 world series coming in relief in critical, in a critical moment, I think, in either game three or four. I wish I could remember. I should remember. I'm a terrible fan. But, and then he pitched amazing in 2022. Yes, he had some health issues in 2023, but damn, you're going to give up on this guy? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't fully get it, Graham. Like, I know you're you're one of you're like an AA stan. Like, you are a big like almost anything he does. Oh, you, I trust like him. Like, you got his stamp. He gets your stamp of approval almost every time. I I trust him. Like, I a I could see this Jack Jackson Kowar. Jackson Kowar. Watch him come in and be a stud with us. Uh, maybe, but like, I would say get him in front of our coaches. But we've lost like four of our coaches at this point. That's another thing that happened while we were gone. Ron Washington is now the coach of the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Eric, uh, Eric, Eric Young, Young went with joined him. him. Our bullpen coach uh, Daniel French is now the pitching coach of Baltimore. So it's like all these, you know, and that's an intangible guy. Obviously. It's great that people value our coaches that much, but now we got to rebuild all that. Yeah, but we were talking about Adam. We were talking about it's like we need to get some new coaches in here, maybe to help. Like you know, we were talking about like get David Ross in here, get you know to to really get that nasty playoff attitude going. Yeah, um, stuff like that. You know, not as the manager, but as just like a, a coach. So I'm not as concerned about the coaching. I mean, I am concerned to a degree of the coaching losses, but. Not as much as I am on giving up on Kyle Wright. Like, I just, I do not. I know his value was trash considering he didn't really pitch this year. He pitched in, like, I don't know, five or six appearances and was awful. He's one year removed from being one of the elite starters in baseball. I just. Saves us, what, like five, five million? Five million dollars? Chintzy ass Braves again. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, it's so weird. But, you know, the move has happened. We can't do anything about it. And we don't get really major league proven talent for. 
uh, who, someone who was an exceptional pitcher. Only one year. We do from, get someone who can pitch this year versus someone who can't. Yes, but and I, I know you're just going to quote those numbers, but like we don't we don't know. Maybe the Royals suck at developing. But like we've seen, they this, have sucked. We've, Since, we've we've seen this time and time again, where like yeah. some guy comes to the Braves that wasn't succeeding with another organization. And he does succeed with us. So yeah. that's a possibility. Sure. But I do think this is just like, I got to believe it's part of a bigger plan. Yeah, because Wright will not pitch this year, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. So the Royals right. are, you know, just trusting that he's yeah. going to be so, something next year. Right. So they lose one year, but they get two more years after that. And you're right, though, that the the Royals have been exceptionally poor at developing talent since they won the world series. And I think that was 2015. Like they have sucked since then. So who knows? Maybe it's the right move, but it's just, man, it's uh, maybe, maybe they were like, you know what? We did this with Soroka. It didn't work. Fuck it. Kyle, Wright. We don't like what we're seeing from Kyle, Wright. We don't like the, the, the health. Yep. We're moving on. So that happened. And then uh, another trade happened with uh, Ronaldo Lopez was signed to a three year, $30 million deal. The Atlanta Braves. He pitched for the. Uh, he's been a pitcher for the White Sox. He's been a pitcher for the Angels. A pitcher for the Guardians, Cleveland Guardians. Um, was a starter initially in his career, but then sort of moved to uh, being a reliever. He's had a pretty good career as a reliever. Flamethrower. Uh, had a, a uh, two seven six ERA with Chicago and sixty one appearances in twenty twenty two with a zero point nine five WHIP. Um, this is a guy that touches 99. I know 99 is a big number for you, Adam. You were talking about Yamamoto a couple weeks ago. Mm. You're like, guy throws 99, Bo. we got to get him in here. We need some flamethrowers. This guy throws 99, too. Um, had a bit of a down year this year with um, with the Angel. Or excuse me. with uh, Actually, no, he was pretty good. Actually, no, he wasn't good with the White Sox, but he went to three different teams this year. He's with the Chicago White Sox, the Angels, and the Guardians. Wasn't wasn't great with the White Sox this year with the four two nine one three one whip as a reliever. Went to the Angels, thirteen appearances, two seven seven ERA one five four whip, and then was lights out with Cleveland, zero point eight two whip and a zero ERA and twelve appearances over uh, eleven innings. So guy clearly has talent, but um, where he fits in, the Braves apparently are going to stretch him out to see if he can start again even though the majority of his success, actually all of his success pretty much has come as a reliever. I would hope that like starting is something that Reynaldo wants to do, you know, like I think every pitcher starts out wanting to be a starter, right. wanting to be Nolan Ryan, wanting to be the guy, wanting to be Randy Johnson, be except, the ace. except for like Kimbrel. Kimbrel's always, but even Kimbrel probably wanted to be the ace, right, you know, right. like I think everybody start, you know, literally starts wanting to be a starter. But I, I like having defined roles for guys. I don't. I don't want someone you're bouncing into the rotation, into the right. bullpen. So like, if he's got potential to be a starter, good. Let's let that ride. See what happens. But like, th- this can't be our only starting pitcher we're adding. But no. but if he if that works out, and then we add a big name, the the rumors out now are Dylan Cease. Right. Before we talk about Dylan Cease, first let me get your opinion on this on this deal. Three years, thirty million for this guy. You don't know if he's going to be a reliever or a starter. I don't know enough about him mm-hmm. to like 
you know, go hard either way, but that seems like a very reasonable deal um, for a guy who throws 99 and has had major league success. Right. So I'm, He's not a bum. Uh, uh, that seems like a good mid-level deal that's, like, not going to bite us in the ass. Right. And uh, could pan out big time. Yeah, he could either be a high-leverage guy or maybe he could be your fourth starter. So you just got to see what happens. Um, I remember when he pitched. I can't remember because he was on all these different teams, but I think it was against the Angels. I think he struck out Ozzy and uh, Ozuna, and they both looked absolutely silly flailing out of stuff. This is a guy that's, you know, the flamethrower 99, but also has the devastating hook. Very stereotypical repertoire, but, like, when you do it right, and this guy apparently does it really right, and um, when he was a starter, he didn't have as much velocity on his fastball, but when he was a reliever, he did. So it would be interesting to see what happens this year with the Braves in terms of is he going to keep that velocity up? As, if he starts, or is he going to try and go back to what he was doing? Um, Rick Cranus is still our pitching coach, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, yes, he is. I, I trust Rick Cranus. He's good at developing these guys. And right. we still have Walt Weiss. We still have Walt Weiss as our bench coach. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how Lopez fits into this roster overall if he's going to be a, a rotation guy or a bullpen guy but he's an intriguing guy like you like you mentioned has had success at the major league level let's see how it plays out there's nothing wrong with stretching out a guy no if it doesn't work out just do what you were doing exceptionally well for chicago for years yeah that's fine um what was the other braves thing we were talking about okay so the two guys that were supposedly on our radar were aaron nola and uh, Sonny Gray. Both those guys are gone. Nola resigns with the Phillies, apparently. But apparently we had a huge offer apparently out Apparently we had a huge offer, and then he took the Phillies offer. The Phillies went overboard to resign Nola to like a five- or six-year deal. Hopefully that backfires in their face. Sonny Gray has signed with the Cardinals on a pretty affordable deal. So that's that's frustrating to see because the Cardinals weren't even in the playoff picture last they year. They were awful. They were terrible. They signed Sonny Gray, and they signed uh, Kyle Gibson. To just sort of solidify their rotation from, from Baltimore. Um, so so it's starting to dwindle a little bit. It's dwindling a little bit, but the rumors, sorry, like you mentioned earlier, is uh, Dylan Cease of against the Chicago White Sox are there. There are there are um, our Oakland A's of this year. It's, yeah, it's like the White Sox. Like you know, may, maybe we can talk to the the Tigers. It's like teams like that that we can just like keep going to that well. But like I don't understand like i want to sign a free agent graham i don't i don't want to keep having to trade yeah it's frustrating prospects well that's what happens you know when you don't want to spend the money to sign a free agent it's like well you have to trade and anthopolis is more willing to trade prospects than he has to spend dollars and maybe that's not his fault maybe that's a management uh, an ownership thing but that's what's happening so well well, it's just a like you call us like cheap and all that, but like we're top five payroll. Like we're not cheap. Yeah, but it doesn't but feel like, like we will go. You, you like, allocate your funds wisely versus the Mets, who will like of course spend top dollar want, for two or three guys. You don't want to spend arbitrarily. You don't want to go overboard. But unless it's Shohei Otani, you need to. Again, I would go overboard for Shohei. Those rumors are starting to get a little real. Like, all right, I think talk the, about it. I think the Brave. Yeah, who cares about Dylan Cease? Like, if that happens, it happens. <laughs> like. I'm not going to get excited about Dylan Cease. Well, you're right not. Now. He's a pretty good pitcher. No, I mean I would get excited, but I, I have more fun talking about Shohei Otani. Obviously, and like 
I would love to sign him to like a 12-year, $700 million contract and say, you own Atlanta with Ronald Coon. You I guys think, are the president and vice president of Atlanta. I think there's a 20% chance this happens. 20%? Why do you think 20%? Um, you know, he's expressed... He's He has actually himself said Atlanta's interesting to me. Yeah, but he's like, not, he knows we're going to be perennial winners for a long time. So are the Dodgers, he's, and they'll give him more money because they're willing to spend money on free agency, Dodgers, where we are not. Dodgers are aging out, man. We're up and coming. I don't know. Mookie and Freddie look fine to me. They're having... They're having Fantastic seasons. Acuna, uh, Michael Harris, Ozzy, Austin Riley, like Sean, well, I agree. I'm Sean not, I'm Murphy. Not, like I'm nope. just saying, like the Dodgers are not not like chopped liver or anything. They're still a, a really good franchise, right? But he's done the LA thing. He wants to see the East Coast, Graham. I would love if he if it happens, man. You'll be I'll be the first to to literally. Easy. I'll go streaking down Eastland Road if we uh, no. where Adam lives. You'll, you'll, get, hit by, you'll get hit by a car. Don't do that. Car. Well, we're kind of go streaking. Uh, Piedmont Park. <laughs> I'm going streaking down Piedmont Park past the dog park. Uh, if get the arrested. Brave sign Otani and get arrested just for you yeah. if it happens. There's, there's literally no chance he's going to the Dodgers. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But it's still exciting to talk about. While but he's Dylan still out C there. seems like there's some heat there, and this is a guy who didn't do great with the White Sox and. In 2023, but had a very successful 2022 season where he had a 2.20 ERA and a 1.21 WHIP. Um, this is a guy who has who's from the area, who's young, is controllable, who has I think three more years of team control, um, has really good stuff. We mentioned how the uh, actually I don't think we mentioned this, but we should. The Chicago White Sox defense was one of the worst defenses in baseball, which explains the elevated ERA of 4.58. For Dylan Cease in 2023, and an elevated ERA for uh, Renato Lopez, who just signed as well. So you put you put this guy in Atlanta. You put him as third or fourth starter, second starter, whatever, whatever you know, whatever he emerges to be. This is a valuable piece. The Braves have to get a legitimate major league starter. I really hope Anthopoulos puts out all the stops. Trade Von Grissom. Trade Hurst, like trade Hurst and Waldrop. Trade, no. Well, that's probably what's going to take Adam. It's going to either take it's going to take Von Grissom and Waldrop or Von Grissom and Shaver. Who do you want to get rid of? I don't want to trade a young starter. But the thing is, it's like starter. you're ready to win now. We saw what happened to Bryce Elder last year, where he just regressed like crazy in a second. We need a guy who has experience going through the the rigmarole of a full major league season. We don't need to be playing who's going to be the fifth starter every freaking week. You know. Like we need a solidified guy in here, solidified. And I'm sick of not having one as a as a fourth or fifth guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm maybe there's other pieces. I'm okay with Grissom. Like, I, I don't want to get rid of Hurston Waldrop. I'm so excited. So get about rid of Shaver. Shaver, Von Grissom. Give him Marcelo Zuna as a trade. I don't care. Get this guy. This guy has great stuff. He has he has proven that he is a viable major league starter. I want experience, and I want durability, and this guy has it in spades, and he's also good. Okay. You're a Dylan Cease guy, huh? I'm a Dylan Cease guy. I think he's a very, very good player. The, the White Sox gave up in June. So, and when, you, when you're when you a pitcher and your de- your defense is given up in June, you're going to have a bad time. 
you look at Cease, Cease's numbers and Renato Lopez's numbers in 2022 versus 2023, it's staggering in terms of ERA and whip. Like, it went up like crazy. That can't just be a coincidence. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what about this other rumor I heard this week, Graham? What you got? Uh, left field, still a position we need to figure out what Absolutely. we're doing there if it's not going to be Vaughn Grissom. Please don't <laughs> bring back Eddie Rosario. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, mm-hmm. Always good, but you yeah. know, always also notorious for trading their stars before they're about to get paid. Right, like, that's a real cheap franchise. That right? is a you call the Braves cheap. That's a really no. chintzy. That that's extremely chintzy franchise. Uh, a Rosarena, twenty nine years old. Oh, I love a Rosarena. Three years left He's on fantastic. the contract. There's rumors that the Rays are floating his name out there. I would absolutely, and the Braves are in on it. Okay. And this is a proven playoff guy. That's the biggest kicker with him. Like, he is... He is that killer instinct. Like, that is what we're missing. The guy who does show up in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all for Rosarena. Um, But once again, we're definitely... Like, that's got to be Waldrop. Shaver, that's a that's huge the thing, thing. Is that That's the problem. It's like, Anthopolis, I'd rather you spend all that battery money, all the money that we've spent at the battery... And everyone else in in Atlanta, on like use that. I'm tired of all these prospects getting. I want a big free agent signing. I want a big free agent but signing I mean, it, too. It's promising that they were in on um, on uh, Nola. Nola. Sure, hard 185 million dollars. That's good. He was going to make show- more than anyone on the team. That shows that for the first time in a while, the Braves are willing to go for a kill, and it took that for the Phillies to sign. Noah to that insane deal. So hopefully we can do that with somebody. It's Anthopolis season right now, right before the winter meetings. He normally makes a move. I, I bet next week we're talking, we're something. discussing something besides rumors. Yeah. I hope we're not discussing like, Oh, we signed a uh, journeyman starter to a one year, $8 million deal. I don't want to be talking about that. Yeah. We're bringing back. Uh, why can I never remember that lefties? Name that we got from the Giants uh, that everyone hated, and then he went to the Cubs and was he really was fantastic. Good. I can't remember but then that guy. He sucked yeah. again. Yeah, I know well, you're talking. Whatever about. his name is, I could picture his face. That is wild. Like someone that like we've probably been in we've this exact about room a million, yeah, <laughs> a million times. We can't remember his name. This guy's a loser. Yeah, this guy's a loser. Yeah, it's I know who you're talking about the left-handed pitcher. Well, when we re-sign him, Smiley. Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley. Yeah, yeah, Drew Smiley. Great spin rate, I remember. Great spin rate. So, yeah, we'll probably sign him. Throws the ball like 85 miles an hour. And that'll be it. Reagan-era fastball. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the Hawks real quick, then we'll get out of here. Hawks are like the most mediocre team, Adam. I can't remember what, what our record is. I think it's like 8-9, and 9-9. Nine, nine nine. It's just really frustrating watching these guys. Big news for me for the Hawks is that Trey Young has remembered to, how to shoot a three-pointer. Did you watch any of that Indiana uh, Pacers Hawks game that went into like overtime? It was like one fifty to like one forty five or something. Yeah, oh my god! That Who was, was that dude for Indiana? Ass. Halliburton. Holy he hell! Is amazing. That guy was every single three he shot he made. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, he's one of the best offensive players in the league. The Pacers play at the the highest pace in the NBA right now in terms of offensive uh, performance. But one thing I, I appreciate about Trey is that he's he's finding his three point shot again, man. Sixty two point five percent from three against Indiana, fifty percent against Brooklyn, sixty two point five against Washington, and thirty seven point five against Boston. He's he's figuring it out, which which I like. But the problem is, Adam, 
I'm just going to run some scores by you. Uh... From the Pacers game to uh, the last loss we had against Cleveland. Loss, 157-152. Win, 147-145. Win, 136-108. Loss, 113-103. Loss, 128-105. We're just giving up so many points. I think we're averaging 118 a game right now in terms of giving up points. Like This team does not know how to play defense. I know I was hopeful after going to that game against uh, Minnesota uh, when the season started. I don't like what I'm seeing. There's a lot of penetration to the basket. There's a lot of second-chance points. There's a lot of three-pointers given up. Like, that Cleveland game was miserable to watch. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was wide open. Struess was wide open. I mean, that, that Cleveland could have scored 140 points in that game if they don't miss wide-open shots. Like, it is pathetic well, to me. I, well, Jalen's been out for a few games now, right? Yeah, he went out in the Wizards game. I think that his defense is crucial, and Sadiq Bey defense is like really bad yeah it's like it, something we don't talk about much and no trey, it's not let's give trey credit trey is like top 10 in the league in steals and i've seen the effort the effort's been there end. yeah i feel like, like a lot of times he looks like a, a turnstile though like when he gets blown like against philly he was a turnstile like what the last time we did the podcast like if you look at defensive metrics yeah. He's a league average defensive player right now. Really? Like people like I think that's just a popular narrative to like shit on Trey's defense, but like he's he's turned it around a little that's, bit. That's that's surprising. But there are like just other, I been impressed. other players on the team that are like just horribly bad. Well, I mean, you think about it too, like where's Capella? Like Capella gets his boards, he gets his ten points a game, but I don't see him banging in the post on D. Uh, you know, when it, it just feels like people are missing assignments. I don't know. I just feel like we, we give up we give up like the highest percentage of shots to me when I watch games. We give up high percentage shots in the paint, and we give up wide open baskets from three. And it's like you can't win like that consistently. We're the we're the Falcons, Graham. Like, but you know, a few weeks ago with the Falcons, when the the offense was up a little bit. The defense was so down, or the defense had been good. You're just not putting them together at the same time. With the Hawks, it's Trey was down, and DeJounte was great. And now, now Trey is great, and DeJounte's been terrible. I don't know what DeJounte's doing. Like he's not really doing anything different. Like He's still taking a good mix of like mid-range shots and three-point shots. But yeah, DeJounte hasn't looked good in, in the last few games. Like it's It's been kind of miserable to watch him out there. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but... The, what's the big picture, you know, for this team? You signed Dejounte to like a four-year deal after trading away like all these draft picks. You got aging Bogey, aging Capella, exciting guy in uh, a Kongwu, and now you got Jalen Johnson who was providing such a spark. Let's just ride this thing out. I, I still like ride this, this out for this I think year. Play Wesley Matthews a lot more. What have you seen from Wesley that gives you hope? Great defense. Okay. And but he hasn't gotten an opportunity. Like, let's get these veterans involved a little more. Let's get your boy uh the point guard involved more from the Spurs, Patty Mills. Patty Mills came in the other day. I remember Bob Rathman freaked out. He's like, This is Patty Mills' first appearance. <laughs> and I was like, I just thought back to our childhood on PAX watching uh Bob Rathman and Dominique at sure, that point. Sure. But it was just he was like so enthused, and I was like, Bob, we're getting. I think was this against Cleveland? I well, can't remember. Like it was, it was like it was clearly like a blowout situation. It might, but no, it was against Washington. Well, let's get these vets involved more. I still yeah, like maybe. this core, Graham. There's just like you got to mix and match with like let's get some of these 
veterans with better defense in and like let the young guys learn from them and yeah. I don't know. Like I still like I'm not quitting on this team. You're not this. quitting. Okay. No. Well, it's it's just I, you, I mean the only the only other move is blow it up. Well, I'm I've been for blow it up for the last couple of years, but I think. The and then where do you go from there, Graham? Well, you, you I don't know. If you blow it up, it gives you more options. Four option. straight years of drafting people. Well, what do you want? Uh, third straight year of a, a play-in tournament? Yeah, that's fine. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, I, I, I think we should expect more from these Hawks. Um, I mean, but the thing that's frustrating to me is that they had good wins this year. It's like you beat Minnesota. Minnesota is one of the best teams in the league. You beat Orlando. Orlando is having a surprisingly great season. They're the second best defensive team in the league, and they're leading the division right now. They're like eight games over five hundred. Like this team has the ability to play at a high level. It just seems like they pick and choose when they want to do it. And the problem now is that you're 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 losing Jalen Johnson for like a month. Oh, Who, is he out for that? Long? He's out for at least I think three to four weeks with a uh, wrist fracture. And, well, and, and what really sucks about that is he provided such a spark. Like, he's such a smooth player. Like, when you really watch, like, sit down and, like, you can't do it now, but if you could, you know, go on YouTube, watch a, watch an old Falcon or a Hawks game, or if you were watching the game, you, you know. Smooth shooter, smooth defender, um, got some boards, got, you know, he could score in the paint, he could score from three, he could score from mid-range. He, he like... This guy's turning into a complete player, and then Kyle Kuzma has to be a, an asshole, an absolute asshole, and hack the shit out of him on a breakaway dunk. And that looked really intentional to me. And I um, would like the next time we play the Wizards to hack the shit out of him because I thought that was a dirty-ass play, and it really upset me watching that live. I was very upset at that. That was, that was, that was like, uh, remember Derek Bell from the uh, Houston Astros? Yes, he took he took out our current bench coach Walt Weiss with a, a cleats up slide. It reminded me of that. Yeah, that sucks. I didn't realize it was that bad. I just knew he was injured. I didn't realize that was a dirty ass wrist. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't really care about the Wizards, but that that sucks for Jalen. He was showing such he, promise, he, just such a spark plug. Yeah, so that really hurts the team. And yeah, we need to figure out how to how to replace <laughs> his defense, his scoring. Uh, a and lot we got of no one there. Bay is starting now, and he, you know, he's been okay, but he's not the defender that Jalen was, and he's not the scorer that Jalen was. Like Bay can pretty much, he can get a board and he can shoot a three, and that's about it. You know, Bay can do more than that offensively, but he's a bad defender. Yeah. So yeah, that's not great. So they need to figure it out. They're eight and nine right now, eleventh in the East. Let's just not fall behind in this massive hole. Like I still, like I said, I believe in this team, Graham. I believe in this core. Uh, but let's give them some time to put it all together. Yeah, and uh, like I just feel like these players don't want to play D. Like I don't think it matters who the coach is, whether it's uh, uh, Quinn Snyder or uh, God, who was our coach that we complained so much about? Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce, not Lloyd Pierce, but who's the guy after him? Uh, the God Emperor, Nate McMillan. Who we loved when he, <laughs> he led us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, it doesn't matter. Like these guys don't want to. These guys don't want to play defense. Like it's unbelievable. Uh, the just inability to commit to playing D overall as a team. I'm not saying like individual guys. Yes, some people play defense, but overall, it's pathetic. 
It's pathetic. It's a pathetic effort. Yeah, losing a game where you set a franchise record for points and a half, that's that's embarrassing. Is that the Pacers game? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. It's Scored just, 82 points in the first half and lost that game. And you lost. That just, I mean, I know the Pacers have a, like, the Pacers are like a suicide team. Like, they are kind of like, they're a better version of the of the Hawks. They're they're all or nothing offensively, but they just do it a little better than we do. Something, something's wrong. And I just feel like you got to blow this team up in order to actually turn into contender. And I hate to say that. This was a fun experiment. I've enjoyed watching this team sometimes over the last four years, but particularly that 2020-2021 team making the run to the Eastern Conference Finals. But you're not getting anywhere. We have no one with any balls. Like, no one... Um, Who's that guy? Ivan Johnson. You know, you need a maniac like like that out there. Just like Zaza Pachulia. Pero Antique. Pero Antique. Going out there and just like causing mayhem. Getting people fired up. We have no one like that. We have no real leadership on the squad. So you want to, to see make. some more Bruno Fernando is what you want to see. If he's the guy <laughs> that can actually like give me something in terms of leadership, then yeah, sure. I don't, I don't care. I just feel like... Status quo for the last uh, couple years isn't working, and we're we're getting dangerously to a point, especially after re-signing Dejounte, where it's like, what the hell are we doing here? Graham, it's not even Christmas. Like NBA season doesn't start until after Christmas. You can say that, but I've been watching a lot more NBA recently, and you watch a 76ers game versus a, a Hawks game, and it's embarrassing. You watch a Timberwolves game on a regular basis, even though we beat them. It's embarrassing. A Thunder game, like it's it's bad. Like we are not good. We are we are we are the. You're exactly right when we started the segment. We are the Falcons of the NBA. So and that's not where you want to be at this point with this team after having the success we had in the 2020 2021 season. Like I've said a couple times tonight, Graham, I still like this core. I think something could come together. Why? Because, I, I, like you said, you've seen great games from this team. But cons- on a consistent basis. Not yet. Consistency okay. comes with time. With time. Yes. Okay. I hope you're right. I really do. And the fact that Trey is being playoff Trey again. Yeah, no, he's, he stepped his game up. That's he, had really a, he, he had a very down game against Cleveland. He only scored 13 points. I think he had like six assists. We got, we got blown out of that game. But tonight we take on San Antonio, Adam. We gotta take care of business against them. They're like three and fourteen. They're awful. They have their, they have that Victor Wombanea guy who's really good. But other than that, they're they are pathetic. You gotta take care of business against a really bad team like that. A rebuilding team. This is not a rebuilding team. I put the ten Falcon, dollars do- on the Hawks winning that game. Ten dollars. All right. There you go. We'll see what happens. By the time this episode gets out, we'll know. All right. We'll end this <laughs> this one off the rails. It's probably my fault. Until next time, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitometer sip. Hospitometer sip.